following podcast contains spoilers and words like G, whiz, and gosh damn it. We watch it. Hello everybody and welcome back to We Watched a Thing. It's Billy and this week I'm joined by one of probably the one of the best friends I've made through podcasting. I'd, uh-huh. I think that you were probably the first person that became a Facebook friend, you know, just like outside of podcasting groups and stuff. And you were one of the first people who reached out to us as well back in our in our early days, you know, telling us we were wrong about a movie. <laughs> That's what <laughs> I like to do. I'm, of course, talking about great friend of the show, Julio from The Contrarians. How are you doing, mate? Doing great. I'm doing great, Billy. I just, uh, I think I'm done uh, just drying my tears from this most recent watch of uh, the movie we're going to talk about. So... Uh, yeah. Actually, okay. the tears came when I saw your rating on Letterboxd, but we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, I think it'll be a good discussion. <laughs> so, um, yeah, do you, I'm still locked down here at the moment. I think, Julio, you're in Texas where the virus is still continuing to rage. So, in lieu of a new release, uh, we decided to do something fun and, and give each other a movie that, that we love that the other hadn't seen. Um Tell me a little bit about The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou, which is what we're talking about today. Um, you gave me four options, I think, or five options, mm-hmm. and there were three I hadn't seen, and you went with this. So tell me about it. When did you first see this movie? Uh, when it came out. I, I saw it when it came out whenever. Was it 2003? Um I was living in College Station. I was working in a movie theater. I, I told you to watch the trailer before we recorded because it, it I mean, you might disagree, but to me, that trailer pumped me up so much for the movie. I wasn't even a Wes Anderson fan. Like, I don't even remember if I'd seen Rushmore before this. But, oh, right. Okay, yeah. But the trailer came out for um, Life Aquatic, and, you know, it was in every movie. So I saw that trailer probably like 20 times at least before the movie came out, and it looked so funny and so quirky, and I was like, I don't know about Wes Anderson before, but this movie seems like it's going to be a big deal. And uh, we watched the opening weekend, and uh, it was such a letdown (laughs) the first time I watched it. (laughs) Part of it was that I was not ready for its sort of quirkiness. Uh, Part of it, I remember, we had audio problems in our screening. So the audio started cutting in and out halfway through the movie. helps. (laughs) Yeah, it never recovered. And so I remember that was was annoying. but I remember walking away from it going like, oh, no, this sucked. I I, I don't care. Uh, years later, one of my friends had bought the, had gone and bought a bunch of movies. And he had bought The Life Aquatic. And uh, he was like, just, we'll just play it while we're drinking, just having fun. So we had it as a background. And I think it was a combination of having a good time with my friends, being a little drunk in the movie playing in the background. But suddenly we we're like all sitting there, like watching it unfold. And it's like watching the movie with new eyes. And it, yeah. and, and then suddenly it was a complete opposite experience to me. It was like, this was fun. It's still really quirky and weird, but now I'm having a good time. Um, and then a couple of years ago, I bought the Criterion because I remember that experience. I was like, what is it? What is it like to watch it when you're not drunk? And, you know, yeah. 10 years later or whatever. And, uh, and I, Watching and then I just I absolutely fell in love with it. So, all this to say, Billy, there, there's still hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I that's what I was going to say as well. I definitely think that this movie might need two watches, and I think you can see that in. I'll talk a little bit about its you know critical reception soon, but I think you can see in the way that this has garnered a bit of a cult following that 
that this movie works better later down the track, I think. Yeah. It, yeah. And, well, I don't know. I, I mean, what is your experience with Wes Anderson as far as, like, how many of so you have you I'm definitely seen? a Wes Anderson fan. Oh, so you are? I, yeah, I am. Yeah. And I'm, you know, you were talking a little bit about this being, you know, too quirky. And so, for me, I actually think that this doesn't have as much whimsy as I want in a Wes Anderson film. <laughs> what? <laughs> and maybe that says more about me. But, yeah, I, I'm a big fan. I very much like Rushmore. I, I love the animation work that he's done. Mm-hmm. I, both Isle of Dogs and Fantastic Mr. Fox were wonderful. I think he's got a very interesting visual style and, and flair. Um, so, maybe my expectations were actually too high because of that coming into this. Because, to me, this felt a little... Not un Wes Anderson-y, like it is, but I just I I expected a little more flair, I think, from it. And you get that a little bit more in the back half, I think, than you do the first half. Mm-hmm. But um yeah. So yeah. how is it that you hadn't watched it? I mean it, I just never got around to it. I just it just kind of came out at that time when I, I don't know what to tell you. I rem- I was actually working in a video shop at the time, and I remember seeing it there and, and thinking, oh, I really need to get around to that. And I just never did. I never saw Darjeeling Limited either. They're the two of his that I just, for some reason, haven't got to. Yeah, that's. Um, uh, I I've, I think I've seen them all. No, I haven't seen Bottle Rocket, but uh, Darjeeling is probably my least favorite out of them. And it's been so long that I think it's do a rewatch to really yeah. see if I, if I feel differently now. But... Uh, yeah, that's weird. Life Aquatic, I mean, to me, it's, I get it, that when you think of Wes Anderson now, especially, I think that it's, uh, he has a much higher profile, and now it feels like, when you watch a, a Wes Anderson trailer, like, for a new release, it's like, it's almost like the story doesn't matter. It's just like this avalanche of, like, yeah. and this person, and this person, and this person, and you gotta yeah. know what you're getting into, it's just gotta be quirky stuff. Uh, and, I, and that's cool, I, I like it, but I don't know that I ever get emotional with with his movies. Yeah, and yeah. I surprised myself getting emotional watching it this time. Like I don't think it it happened before. And yeah, there was something about this, the, the the relationship, the father son relationship, that really worked for me. Yeah, this is definitely I would say one of his most human stories. I think that like the themes that are in this film are very much they do tug at your heartstrings. And I actually I think for me, I was I'll get into it a bit more, but I was kind of bored until the last 10 minutes and that turned me around. I was like, oh, wow, now I get it. And I think that that's almost why I need to give it a rewatch, kind of knowing where it's heading. Because it's it's a very meandering film for me, which usually I like. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of a meandering film, as, as you are. We seem to have quite similar tastes. So, yeah, I think that I'd actually like this more, giving it another watch. Well, how familiar are you with the... Just the aesthetic that that Wes Anderson is kind of aping here, like that he's using as inspiration. The whole uh, Jack Cousteau documentaries that that he is using. Like, were you? I. It's not that I ever sat down and watched one beginning to end, but I remember growing up those being on TV. So that was another thing when I watched the trailer. I'm like, I know exactly what he's doing. Like that actually, that's a thing in real life. I remember those, you know, undersea documentaries. Right. Yeah, see, I've I've never seen them. I I know the name Jacusto. Mm-hmm. Never seen one of the documentaries. Um, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of kind of 
homages and literary references in here. I mean, obviously, straight up, you've got the yellow submarine. <laughs> and the whole kind of look of that underwater sequence is very kind of LSD-ish. <laughs> yeah. Um, even little things. I don't, I don't know if you're a big reader, but even just the fact that his son's name is Ned, which is a character from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Yes. It's, it's a main yeah. guy, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. So, you know- I picked up a lot of those kind of things, but no, I've never actually seen a Jacques Cousteau documentary. And for me, that's one of the kind of things that I feel is missing from the film. I adore Wes Anderson's visual style, and I know that he's got this style that he sticks to. But I think it's almost a shame that you've got a movie about an undersea documentarian and there is very little documentary style used in the film. You you only kind of get flashes of it at the start and a little bit at the end. I would love to have actually seen... I don't need the entire thing to be a mockumentary, but I would have liked to have seen more of that. And I think that would have actually been a really nice clash of Wes Anderson's, you know, colour palette and, you know, symmetrical style mixed with this kind of rough, raw documentary look. I I wouldn't be opposed to a, a Wes Anderson mockumentary, uh, but I am happy to see the behind the scenes of a documentary on in the life aquatic like i really that's another thing that they're constantly making the movie in the you know yeah. as, as the story progresses and it's just it's all happening in the background every time that he walks past the room and there's somebody working on the score or there's somebody working on the editing or they're yeah and so that that always uh just tickled me that you know every now and then something will happen and he's like okay we need to start rolling and we need to record this and why are you recording this emotional moment and uh yeah i I wouldn't trade that off. Like I, I, if there were to be, it will never happen. But if there were to be a, a Steve Zissou Life Aquatic sequel, and he decided to shoot that as an actual documentary, if he released a fake uh, Steve Zissou documentary, that would be amazing. I'll be all for it. Uh, but this is, to me, has just the right amount because I, you know, the, even the way that it's structured, where it has the chapters with the, the chapter names, it's like chapter twelve, yeah, mutiny on the boat or whatever, and that is just like yeah. those. Uh, those Jack Cousteau documentaries, I remember, where they had the the bombastic oh, titles. Right. Yeah, they would be like that. It's it's so just so good the way that he captured the essence of those uh, documentaries while keeping it very uh, comedic because it's, it's really funny. So I know that that was definitely something that worked for me. Uh, now, how do you feel about the Bill Murray character about Steve Zizou? Because I could totally understand somebody saying that. It, this is just too much for them, that he is too much of an asshole to really rally behind. Oh, uh, no, nah, see, I, I, I like it. And I like that kind of character and that character development as well, where someone appears one way. And then as you learn more about them, you kind of they, they grow on you. And I think like a lot of this story is about this is going to sound very wanky, but like the futility of man, you know, it's mm -hmm. about like he's this kind of aging washed up and it's about him kind of like how do i even fit in anymore like who am i really um to me that's what makes the story even more than the the father-son relationship and i think that the father-son relationship is there just kind of to to build that up a bit for me so no i actually and as you say it is very funny i'm a big noah bombach fan mm -hmm. as well and i think that i do think that his work on the screenplay is clear. As I said, I think that this might be the most human of Wes Anderson's films. And I think, you know, when you look at Bombach's films around this time, like Squid and the Whale, for example, which I love, mm -hmm. um, 
I think there are some kind of similar themes and 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 just dialogue structure coming through here as well. Who's a bigger asshole, uh, Jeff Daniels in Squid and the Whale or uh, <laughs> Bill Murray in Life Aquatic? Jeff Daniels. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's less funny as well than than Bill Murray is. Yeah. Bill Murray, ha- I mean, it's funny. They both do actually have this kind of undeniable charm where no matter what kind of character they play, you can't help but love them just a little bit because, it, like, it's Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, I, I found myself horrified at some of the things he said, but I was laughing out loud, you know, as he said them. And, and so I was like, oh, this would probably turn somebody off and just go like, nope, I, don't, I can't watch well, a whole movie about this guy. <laughs> it's a little bit, I think it takes a certain kind of person. Like, are you a, a fan of The Office yes. at all? Either the US or the UK yeah, version? Yeah, both of them. I, I, I like yeah. a lot. Yeah. No, I adore them both. And it's funny. There are some people out there who are the same who are like, oh, I, I can't watch that. Like, he's too much of a jerk. And you're like, yeah, but that's kind of the point a little bit. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. The, well, so, there is the fact that I don't think the movie makes any apologies for for his behavior. Like, the movie means to portray him as, a, as an asshole. But then at the end, the movie shows some compassion toward him. And I think that maybe that's where somebody would break away. You know, he has his little meltdown in the submarine and everybody puts his mm. arm on him. And yeah, I, I'm perfectly fine with that. It, it's, I, I think that, like you said, you see him grow and he is a different person. The fact that he doesn't want to kill the fish anymore and that yeah. he shows a vulnerability that he hasn't shown through most of the movie. I, I think that's enough to earn him a, a little bit of compassion at the end. Yeah. yeah. As I said, for me, those final 10 minutes are really what kind of turned me around and made me think, okay, I see the beauty in this now. You know, like the last 10 minutes where they're under the- and aesthetically, to me, that is easily the most gorgeous, most Wes Anderson-y look of the film um, with, you know, the, the kind of almost silly looking fish. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and it's very theatrical, you know, like you can you can actually visualize them filming this on a soundstage in darkness, just in this little fake submarine that's rocking. <laughs> um, but something about that scene really got to me when he sees the fish and, and, as you say, decides not to kill it. I don't know what it is, but that nearly got me choked up, even though to that point I'd been a little bit bored. That's, yeah. that's impressive that- it, yeah. it was able to still get an emotional reaction from you if you hadn't been all into the movie. I uh, yeah. no, the part that got me was the uh, it, well, there, there were two, and one of them was, of course, after Ned dies and they're doing the funeral, and it was uh, yeah. Kate Blanchett putting the letters on his casket. I was like, oh, I, yeah. I had forgotten that that happened. So uh, yeah, but before that, when they're getting in the helicopter and uh, Willem Dafoe. Is trying to explain to Owen Wilson why, you know, how much he appreciates that he put him on the logo. And then he finally shuts up and just salutes him. And it was yeah. like, why Why am I getting teary-eyed? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, Willem Dafoe is perfect in this film. Like, this, let, Let's talk cast for a minute. Mm. This is a giant cast, as, as a lot of these early Wes Anderson films are. And obviously, he's collaborated with Bill Murray so many times since then. But, like... Owen Wilson, Kate Blanchett, Angelica Houston, Willem Dafoe, Jeff Goldblum. Like, these are, are big names. I don't think there's a bad performance in this film. Do you? No. Oh, no, no, no. I I think that uh, it's funny because out of all of them, Willem Dafoe, I remember thinking the first time 
I watched it. I was like, I don't get his shtick. Like I, I because so many of oh, his right. well, so many of his big moments are in the trailer. Like I think the salute is in the trailer. Then it's also the yep. moment where he's like, "Thanks for not picking me, Steve," or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> and so I think that that might have like robbed it of some of the impact when I watched it when I watched it the first time. But subsequently, just knowing what his arc is, this is the guy that doesn't like that feels jealous of uh, you know he he has been the the son character yep. for for bill murray and then suddenly his real son shows up and now he feels like his place is being usurped so that whole arc through the movie it's it's i like it i love it so he's great yeah same yeah willem dafoe is the standout to me to me i actually think i would say jeff goldblum is the weakest performance and i don't think it's anything on him i just think that that's the most underwritten of all the, mm-hmm. the characters for me um it's kind and of he's kind of you know yeah, which, you know, sometimes really works. Like, Jeff Goldblum is one note in just about all of his roles. You know, like, Aww. you look at Jurassic Billy, Park, like, he's, he's Jeff Goldblum there. You know, he's the same character in that that he is so many times before. But it just, it didn't quite land for me here. Yeah, I I think that the... I mean, he's, he's, all, he's another one that's been in so many Wes Anderson movies, so I think that sometimes uh, just unconsciously i'm comparing him to other wes anderson performances he gets a lot more to do in other movies so here yeah. i i always forget and this is this is pretty telling i always forget that he survives in my mind yeah. every time i'm watching the movie i'm like oh he gets killed when they rescue him or when they're in the middle of rescuing the the bond manager the bonds person and uh in but just watching it tonight you know he he got shot and then he shows up and he's still bandaged and he's fine <laughs> so i was like oh that's right yeah. he's still around Let's talk about the music in the film, which is quite prominent um, for quite a lot of it. Uh, are you a fan of the soundtrack? Oh, yeah. I. Uh, so, the thing that always comes to mind to me is just the Portuguese covers of David Bowie. That's always, yeah, you know, yeah. from the get-go. You're like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's the movie where the guy's just playing the guitar. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you, Brazilian Bowie. and uh, But this time around, I was also... Just the the little bits of score. Uh, yes. Every time that the camera goes into one of those, they're not even, I guess they're montages, but, you know, where it's showing you, like one is when they're showing you uh, everybody getting ready for the trip and you see Owen Wilson training and the the crew yeah. getting ready and the camera's just gliding through different parts of the submarine. Like the, the music there, I, I found it. I, I love it. It's great. Yeah, I, I really like the score for this film. And I like, as you said, that it's, it's, utilized to a very low level like a lot of the film is either in silence or taken up with as you say that the the very funny covers of of david bowie which seems so like what is this what's happening here (laughs) it almost it made me think of mad max the the guy with the guitar on the on the truck (laughs) um but yeah i think that the the few pieces we get of score here uh they they really work for me they're very nice yeah how do they stack against the the score of titanic Oh, it's nothing. It's nothing on Titanic. I'm sorry. It's nothing on Titanic. And I think that's that's the other thing. I really thought I would love this film because, as I say, I love Wes Anderson. Also, I don't know if you know this about me, but I like to think of myself as a bit of a seafarer. You know, like I, I feel like I might have been a whaler in a past life, which is a horrific thing to say because whaling is an awful thing that shouldn't happen. But- I don't know. I always feel drawn to the ocean, you know? Like, I hate sand. I don't want to go to the beach. But do you love Titanic? It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I almost didn't feel like there was enough seafaring in the film for me. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't have the fascination with with seafaring. 
uh, that you seem to have. So I was not missing that. I, <laughs> I, I, I think once again, I fall back to like, I love the behind the scenes stuff. So rather yeah. than seeing them at sea, I just love to see them getting ready to go in, yeah, <laughs> in yep. the adventure. That's so, fair. Uh, yep. The tour of the, of the ship when, you know, Bill Murray gives a tour of the ship and the camera goes for every spot. And I'm like, that's awesome. And then when they are, uh, you know, like I said, when they're training and then later when they're uh, getting ready to go meet the shark, you know, at the end, like all that stuff to me is just exciting. Uh, partly because, yeah. I mean, I don't know anything about it. So to me, and it's not that I, I don't assume that Wes Anderson is giving us a realistic representation of what it would be like <laughs> yeah. to get ready for this mission. But I like seeing the nuts and bolts. So uh, yeah, yeah. In, in that Great sense. costume design too. The, the little red hats are wonderful. Yes. I want one of those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With the with the little antenna too, so that you know you can get some some music. Listen to music, in. yeah, yeah. Um, um, I think this film, as I I mentioned that I I did get bored with it really until the end. I must say though, it has a very strong opening. I think that the first ten minutes of the film, I think they are very very good at establishing the world, establishing the style, setting up the story. You get in real quick. You know, you open with that scene of playing one of his previous documentaries Mm -hmm. and then the short little interview with him where you immediately get a sense of who he is and what this movie is going to be about. I think that's a really smart way to start this film. Yeah, I love it because it's just it's so clear. It's like, well, I'm going to find this fish. I'm going to kill it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I think that's for me why then I got a little bit disappointed when the film started to meander a bit because it started with such a clear setup and a very tight execution and then i do think that the runtime is a little long in the film i think that in the middle there it does sag a bit and i got a bit bored um and like a lot of the jokes still land Mm -hmm. but i just felt it was taking a while to kind of get anywhere and that surprised me after such a tight opening yeah i i think that that's something else that helps in the rewatch because i I couldn't tell you how if I was getting restless the first time I watched it, but when you know where it's going and you know that, yeah, they get to the fish eventually, but before you get there, there's going to be a lot of uh, just Owen Wilson, Bill Murray bonding. And then the yeah. the story of this reporter that's that may or may not write a damning piece of, you know, the Belafonte and then there's pirates. And all. so I'm like starting it, you know, now I'm like, I knew that I was in for kind of a long ride before we got to the fish. So uh, that was, that that plays differently. Now, the, the thing that I still don't like, the one thing that I still don't like in this movie, and I probably never will at this point, is the the two action set pieces with the pirates. Yeah. That goes just a little too far into the whimsical, the whimsical aspect of Wes Anderson's filmmaking, <laughs> where just, it's almost like, he doesn't care, you know. It's like it, it. It every other moment in this movie is somewhat realistic and plays by certain rules in this world. But then once you get into the the action pieces against the pirates, I was expecting the first time and ever since I think that that he, it would all turn out to be inside Bill Murray's head. But no, yeah, it yeah. actually meant to have happened that he went in and became an action star. That's that's the one point where you know it just doesn't work no matter how many times i've seen it i don't know how do you feel about that did you did you for me i'm totally okay with it i'm for me that that stuff kind of brought me back in a little bit (laughs) like (laughs) anytime something kind of because that for me that's kind of what i want from a wes anderson film and as i said the human elements of this surprised me and that's why i think on a rewatch i would be able to appreciate those more 
But what I was looking for in this film, I think, you just kind of get those little pieces of. And so every time something like that happened, I perked up a bit and was like, oh, yeah, cool. That's that's what I thought I was in for. Pirates. So Yeah, yeah. How do you like- uh, What do you think of Kate Blanchett in this movie? Now, I've said this many times- I don't know if I've said it on the show or not, but I am not a Kate Blanchett fan huh. in any form. I don't like her. For me, she is one of the most actory actors. Uh-huh. I think that for me, I can always see that it's a performance. She never really feels like a an actual character to me. I feel like I can see her thinking about how to act it. <laughs> um, and maybe that's me reading that. But yeah, I'm never really a Kate Blanchett fan. So I, I, I kind of- I don't see it as a negative, but I can see how, especially because so many of her memorable performances are so, you know, use the word theatrical earlier, and I think that, that applies. Yeah. You know, like, I'm thinking, I saw her in The Aviator not too long ago. I had it playing in the background, and she doesn't come across as uh, naturalistic in that movie, but yes. but still, yeah. it's like, oh, but she's hitting all the emotional notes. She's being great, and, yep. uh, and you know, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> uh, yeah. Man, did she, did she get an Oscar for Blue Jasmine? I don't remember, but, you know, she's also kind of, like, chewing the scenery there, and... Uh, I think that in contrast, his her work in this movie is so low key. Yeah, it didn't throw me off too much. I agree with you that I liked like I, it didn't it didn't put me completely off, which sometimes her performances can. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, it was it was okay. <laughs> I like her with her gum. So your show, the entire premise of it is to rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. You know, something has a high score, you talk about why it's no good. Something has a low score, you talk about why it's brilliant. This has a 56%. So it's right in that middle range that you guys called like the gray uh-huh. area. Yeah. So you've spoken a lot about what's great about this film. I want you to tell me three things that are completely trash. <laughs> well, I already told you one. The action sequences. And if I wanted to like just uh, cheat, I would tell you, well, there's two of those. So there's two already. <laughs> uh, yeah, action sequences, not uh, uh, Wes Anderson's forte. Um Number two, I got to say the Owen Wilson's death, like Ned's death, is a little underwhelming, the way it's shot. Uh, I guess it's meant to be a reveal that you don't realize that he's dying until the very end when the camera pulls back and you see the blood. But uh, yeah, it's not, I think that you could have done a more effective way of showing that because uh, I don't even know what happened to him. And it, I guess technically yeah. I don't need to know, but considering that... Uh, um, Bill Murray is perfectly fine, and he was in the exact same accident. This, I, I need to know what is it that yeah. happened to Owen Wilson. By the way, that's a detail I love that I'd never noticed until tonight. When the shot, uh, the helicopter starts going down, Bill Murray puts his arm out to kind of shield Owen Wilson from. Yeah, from, very fatherly. yeah, very fatherly. I mean, it doesn't end up doing anything, but I, I thought that was a nice detail. <laughs> yeah. um, number three, I mean, I'm just grasping at straws here, but the big reveal that toward the end of the new insignia that Owen Wilson had designed, I it was a little underwhelming. I know that the joke is that it's underwhelming. It's just, it looks like a kid just drew a new logo that is yeah. not better than the original. Maybe It might even be worse. I would have liked to see it. At least it doesn't have to be a masterpiece, but something better, you know, something that makes you go, oh. Yeah, totally fair. All right. So, obviously, you very much like this movie. You suggested that we watch it. How are you scoring this? You know, for, for a while there, 
towards the end of the movie, when I was thinking of what I was going to score it, I honestly, I was going to give it a 10. Just, wow. I know, because I'm like, man, what is going on? It's just, I, it's it's working <laughs> so well. But but that wouldn't be fair, because there is, actually, that would be fair. Here's the thing. Billy, I rate with my heart. So, to me, when a movie touches me the way that Life Aquatic touched me this last time, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, it's it's really high and it might be a 10. And I, I think that as I've gotten older, I've gotten even more in tune with the things that it's trying to say about just what you were saying, right? Like trying to figure out what your life is about, what's your legacy, yep. what does it matter once you're gone? Have you amounted to anything? And I think Bill Murray suddenly feels like he's found that in a son and then that son is taken yep. from him in He's like, does does the fish remember me at least? So, uh, yeah. But I don't know that that pirate sequence is just it's a real black <laughs> mark. So let's give it a nine. Let's give it a nine. I'll, I'll say this: it's probably my favorite Bill Murray performance. Yeah, well, and he's go. he's really good. That's high praise. He is great in it. I'm a six out of ten, and I think I could see that definitely coming up on subsequent watches. Like, there's a lot to really like about this movie. But I think for me, from the viewing I had, I like I said, I just found myself a little bit bored for so much of the film. Um, but yeah, it's not by any stretch a bad film. But at this point, I'd say it's my least favorite Wes Anderson that I've seen. I uh, I can't argue against that because, like I said, I hated it the first time I watched it. I was very underwhelmed. Um, and seeing as you're a Wes Anderson fan, then I... I think that there's promise <laughs> in you rewatching. Yeah, <laughs> uh, when you posted about this on Facebook, and uh, our friend David Powell started trash talking Wes Anderson, I was like, "Yeah, I mean, I told him I was like, I don't think that Life Aquatic is a movie that's gonna make a Wes Anderson believer out of somebody who doesn't like him." But yeah, but I do think this one of his movies that it's definitely enjoyable to talk about. Uh, even if you yeah, don't definitely. like it. So, so there's that. Yeah. Well, and thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me about this. Can you tell everybody where they can find your wonderful, excellent show? Uh, the Contrarians, uh, you can just look us up on your podcatchers. Uh, we have a website. It's called wearethecontrarians.com that has all our information as well. Uh, on Twitter, uh, we're at Contrarian Prime. Uh, on Facebook, we're at Facebook.com slash Contrarian Prime. On Instagram, we're at Contrarian Prime. It's Contrarian Prime everywhere. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and like Billy said, we'll be, you know, over there, we we talk uh, in a very uh, non-serious manner about good movies and bad movies before we actually get to have a real conversation like the one I had with Billy. So that's to say, if, yeah, you, it's a great yeah, show. if you listen to our show and you don't agree with what we're saying, kind of like stick around to the second half and then see how you feel about that. <laughs> It's a great show. I'd highly recommend it. I've been a listener now for coming on four years, ever since you emailed us to tell us we were wrong about Debbie Moore in A Few Good Men. <laughs> so, But thank you so much for taking the time. You'll be back with us next month talking about one of my favorite films that you'd never seen, yep. Cliffhanger, which I have no idea how you'd never seen that. <laughs> how I'm not even... See, here's the thing. I'm not even a Rennie Harlan fan. You were a Wes Anderson fan and you hadn't seen Life Aquatic. So. <laughs> that's true that's true mine was more shocking uh and next week i think i'm going to be talking about ferris bueller's day off because my wife has never seen it so i'm going to make her watch that wow in the meantime if you want to get in touch with me you can do that at we thing.com or we watched a thing at gmail.com you can find me on facebook instagram and twitter all under the handle at we watched a thing if you want to help support the show you can do that at patreon.com forward slash we watched a thing and i'll catch you next week <laughs>